What is up, my fantasy affairians? Thank you all for listening. Let me just talk to you for a second about how you can turn your dynasty leagues around overnight. There is this fantasy football expo in Canton, Ohio, August 15th. Tickets are on sale now. You can get a basic package for 25 bucks. Get you into the expo, get you a t-shirt, get you a swag bag valued at over $100. Fantasy site coupons and giveaways. Up that for 20 more bucks, get to $45. You get the whole package, plus a wristband, valued at over $20 to the Saturday Night Party, hosted by yours only, the Fantasy Football Affairs Podcast, uh, presented by Fantasy Affairs. All right, you also get a special link to discounted expo hotel rates, which is crucial. It's $180 value. You can also step that up one more time. $20 more will get you tickets to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. That is something you don't want to miss. That is Canton's finest, and you don't want to miss that. Be sure to be there August 14th and 15th and 16th. You can look forward to live drafts, panel discussions, some fantasy advice, site discounts, They will have seminars covering everything from Dynasty to Redraft to DFS, everything in between. There will be an expert mock draft at 1 o'clock. I will be on stage with some of the greats. Mike Clay will be there. Uh, Everybody you follow on Twitter, be sure to be there August 14th and 15th, Canton, Ohio. Welcome to the Fantasy Affair. What's up, folks? It's at Eric Burkholder 6 here, bringing you into another fabulous episode of the Fantasy Football Affairs Podcast. I'm joined, as always, by Bradley Stickler at FF Bourbon Dude. Today, we're going to take a look in at third-year breakouts. We are in the dynasty days of summer, right? A lot of people are absent. A lot of people are inactive. And for the sharks in the water, if you're listening to this podcast, you're one of those sharks, you're going to have to find a way to get an edge over the other hyperactive people. Everybody's going to know their stuff. Everybody's going to be following things on Twitter. Uh, on ESPN, on the DLF net app. They're all going to have the same information you have. So when you're looking to make trades today that can rise in value, you're going to look for people that can get bumps in training camp and, of course, can break out. So we're going to look at some third-year breakout wide receivers. The second year is huge for wide receivers, and for those that miss, the third year is pretty much make or break. So we're going to break down uh, some keep trade cuts, articles, um, some keep trade cut like discussions on trades, and the value of these overall players. But first, let me bring in Bradley Stickler. What's up, Brad? Dude, I'm living the dream as always. I've been so hyped for tonight. Not because the show and the topic, just to get back on and talk some football, get on with my main man, Eric. I'm, I'm pretty deep in the maker's mark. Chocolate marmalade, it's called, from Ohio this year. So I'm pretty excited. And I'm ready to talk. My guys, the third-year breakouts, those guys you want to go get or those guys you want to sell before it's too late. We'll talk about it. I'm excited. I'm ready to get into it. All right, man, let's start off with the heavy hitters. Uh, Up first, we got DK Metcalf and A.J. Brown. They have already broken out. Just below them, Terry McLaurin, who broke 1,000 yards last year on 137 targets. And, of course, the value play of the whole talk here is going to be Deontay Johnson. Okay, Deontay Johnson did not break 1,000 yards last year, but he was well on his way, missed a couple games. I'd argue to say that all four of them have broken out in their own right. All right, so we will circle back to some trade discussions for those guys coming up, but I want to talk about the value plays, the people that are available in every league, and this is going to start with Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel has struggled with some injury, okay? He, he was in and out of the lineup, but when he was there, he was fantastic. His average depth of target is disgusting. However, his yards after catch greatly make up for that. And this is a guy 
that between weeks 12 and 17 in 2019, weeks 10 and 17 in 2019 was a wide receiver nine. I mean, the hype, especially on their run of the Super Bowl, going into the 2020 season could not have been higher. Everybody wanted Debo Samuel on their team, in their lineup, week in, week out. Going into 2020 is a little bit of a different story as he struggles. And now we're coming up on 2021. So let's gauge your value, Brad, on Debo Samuel uh, and what you think his outlook is with a rookie quarterback coming in. We don't know how long Jimmy Garoppolo will be the starter. Brandon Ayuk has come on. They do lose Kendrick Bourne. George Kittle's coming back. How do you feel about Debo? I, I love, so Debo Samuel's like, he's my kind of football player. I just like the guys who catch the ball and just punish people, just punish people. And that's what Debo Samuel does. He's not a great separator. If you go and you look at reception perception, Matt Harmon's great product. He's not a great route runner. He's not a guy that's going to win at all levels of the field. He's a guy that, you know, we talk pre-show, a guy that you have to create a little bit of space for. But when you do that, this dude is one of the best at yards after the catch. And I absolutely love watching that coming from Debo Samuel. So I think value is, is challenging right now. You've got a really good narrative to go and get a Debo Samuel fairly cheap. You've got Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance. What's that? What's that quarterback situation look like? You got a true alpha and Brandon Ayuk who looked every bit the part of an alpha wide receiver last year as a rookie as a rookie so you expect that people are going to start to fade Debo Samuel a little bit people are going to start to worry about it I again I think he I feel like he's that bulletproof kind of guy even if you throw a rookie quarterback out there he's going to look for a security blanket in certain situations and Debo Samuel is going to be a security blanket he's going to be close to the line of scrimmage he's going to be able to take those dump offs and I think that gives him a solid floor play the problem is those injuries you got to hope that those kind of he can get his body right right as people will say you want to see him healthy you want to see him be able to rehab his body after games but I think again He's a solid floor play as long as he's healthy. And you've seen that over the course of the last couple of years as he's progressed as a, I mean, you got to think he's only what, 23, 24. Well, he's probably 25, I guess, at this point, 25 years old. So you, you got to, you see that progression. You see him go from his rookie season where everybody's like, wow, this guy's really good to last year. He struggled with some injuries. He was a wide receiver three in points per game in the games that he played, but he gave you a pretty solid floor. If I can, if I can have a wide receiver three or wide receiver four, who's going to give me 12 points a game, I'm going to plug it and forget about it every week. He's going to give me that solid floor and I'll play some upside after that. So I really like him, but I'm going to, I'm going to kick something to you just around a keep trade cut to give you the opportunity to kind of talk about Debo Samuel. So using keep trade cut, you got to go check it out, fffair.com, FF Goldmine, our own guy, Garrett Vienna, uh, loves writing articles, and he's got a ton of great shit in his Keep Trade Cut series. There's a series out there for each position, so go check take a look at that. Again, it's at FF Goldmine on Twitter, Garrett Vienna, at uh, fffair.com, where you can see all those articles. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you on the spot here. So Keep Trade Cut, you've got Debo Samuel. Would you rather have Debo or Juju? Well, that's interesting. 
That's interesting. Uh, I'm thinking Debo Samuel or Juju Smith-Schuster. Man, that's tough. Juju Smith-Schuster is kind of like Debo, but he plays for Pittsburgh. He's going to get the targets. They have a ton of opportunity there. When I'm looking at Debo, my connection was with Kyle Shanahan. I cannot get off Kyle Shanahan. All right. And with Kendrick Bourne being the only wide receiver in the way going into 2020 and then drafting Brandon Ayuk in the first round, which you got to love, I I believed that Brandon Ayuk was going to go in there to be the field stretcher. He was going to be on the outside. When you look at the average depth of target when they were both healthy, that's exactly what he did. The connection between Jimmy Garoppolo with that RPO so they can they can stretch the defense out with Kyle Eustace running to the left, the the running back going to the right, so it could be a counter. They have to shift. They have to spread out. Debo eating up that little slant route that he likes to take. It was tough to get off. And when Debo goes down and Brandon Ayuk fills in that role, it's scary because Brandon Ayuk, he was borderline better, man. He was fantastic. You talked about reception perception. I mean, they love Ayuk there. He's a well-polished wide receiver. And when I listen to Kyle Shanahan talk about Debo, it reminds me a lot about Dante Pettis. Now, Dante Pettis in 2018 had a hell of a streak. Okay, He put up some really good numbers. We had high expectations for him taking him late in drafts. And going into the season, look, Kyle was pretty candid. He was like, he's not an alpha. We expected bigger things. We expect him to progress. He's got a lot of work to do. And when they asked him about Debo and Brandon Ayuk in a highlight, they were like, look, you got two great wide receivers. What do you think going forward, expecting him to just hype the offense and talk about how they're going to put up big points in this tough division? And he brought up that Debo Samuel struggled with injuries and it hurt his team. All right. And I think that that will help him grow because this is the difference between a wide receiver getting a second contract, being in the league for six, seven, eight, ten 10 years and being out of the league next year. And that was eerily similar to the comments about Dante Pettis. So when you're betting on Debo Samuel, who has been injured going back to college, you're betting on a man now because the offense is going to run semi through him, though Brandon Ayuk is a good enough weapon to take away a good chunk of that, right? And they do love to run the ball in San Francisco. So you're betting on Debo being able to bounce back and grow as a person. And when I look at Juju Smith-Schuster with his TikToks and all that crap and the fact he cannot beat man coverage, it's hilarious. And his average depth of target is also grotesquely low. And his yards after the catch, they're just they're irrelevant. So if I have to pick between the two, the safety net in my eyes is Juju. And the one that has the upside is Debo. But I would take Juju Smith-Schuster at the last year of his contract. You know he's highly motivated. You know that Ben Roethlisberger wants to get him the ball. I mean, he calls him that guy, quote-unquote, that guy that you want to get the ball to on third down, that red zone threat. And Bradley Stickler at FF Bourbon New wrote a fantastic article about Juju early in the offseason and, and how he's ten top 15 in all these different metrics. And the, he's the only player under the age of 24, 25 that's top 15 in all these metrics over the last few years. And so – because of Juju's upside is, is about the same as Debo because we've seen him put up, you know, 1,200 yards when Antonio Brown was there, right, be a, be a top 10 yeah. wide receiver. And the fact that his contract is up and I know he's going to get a second deal where I don't know what's going to happen with Debo. I think I would take Juju. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think that's kind of where I'm at, too. It's I, I'd probably go Juju. But the one thing that you got to think about is the opportunity. Behind Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle, 
who yeah, else is little. taking targets away from Debo Samuel? Whereas Juju's in a total different situation. They still have Eric Ebron. They have Chase Claypool. They have Deontay Johnson, who we'll talk about. They have Pat Fryermuth, who they brought in. They have Najee Harris now in the backfield, who's going to take some of those short yardage passes. So I feel like there's a lot of opportunity for Juju to lose some of those targets that he gets. Whereas Debo, there's nobody behind him. So all that talk. I wonder if maybe it's just a little bit of a motivational, like Debo, you need to figure out how to take care of your body uh, or you're going to, there's a chance you're going to start losing snaps. But even if he lose snaps, there's no way that some of these guys are going to keep him off the field. They just, they don't have the luxury of doing that right now. So, um, okay. So next one, Debo or DJ shark. This is the same kind of situation with DJ Chark coming up on a contract, being connected with Trevor Lawrence. If he has a huge year, this is make or break it for both these guys. So this is a little closer for me. Juju, I just he's he's gonna be in the NFL. He's gonna be in the NFL. I think he's only 24 years old. I think he's younger than Debo. Yeah. Uh with DJ Chark, this is it, man. And his coach did the same kind of thing, put him on blast. Look, you look weak and you look slow and you don't look like an alpha. And they bring in Marvin Jones, who was just connected with Daryl Bevel. Who when you get to bring a guy with you, that's Big time, man. That means something. Marvin Jones is on my radar. DJ Chark is off my list. So I'm going to take Debo here because, like you said, Debo's healthy. He's going to play. He's going to get fed. He's going to be fantastic. You're betting on the character of the guy, uh, and I'll take the character of Debo over DJ Chark, and I will take the fact that I know Debo uh, and DJ are on the same same kind of situation contract-wise. So. Yep. And then the last one is a little bit of a positional difference. This one's easy for me. I, I, I'm on the Debo side with between Debo and DJ Shark, but Debo and Kareem Hunt. Yeah, let me ask you first as the resident Browns fan, because Kareem Hunt is, was top 10 last year. Look, if you take his half season and he was suspended, all right, and you extrapolate that out, it's a dumb thing to do, but he would be top 12 again. Uh, but what we saw was all these targets that he got in 2019 and he got one more reception in 2020 even though he played a full slate so there's a little bit of reserve there he did sign that that contract so i think he's there this year maybe next season uh and there's there's a kareem uh nick chubb problem so i really want to know what you think between kareem hunt and debo samuel because like you said if you need a running back kareem hunt is the best handcuff with with actual playing upside out there whereas debo samuel is just a solid wide receiver too so what are your thoughts yeah, I'm Kareem Hunt all day long, and I, I, it's not a homer pick because the reason I'm I'm going Kareem Hunt is I'm counting on him to end up getting a, a nice contract for another NFL team next year. I don't think Cleveland can afford to sign Nick Chubb, to sign Baker Mayfield, and to sign Kareem Hunt. So I'm looking at a 25-year-old running back not old by the running back standards. You're looking at Dalvin Cook at 25, uh, CMC at 25. Alvin Kamara at 25, Kareem Hunt at 25, and he's he's in the same tier as those guys when he has a backfield to himself. Not to mention the fact you already alluded to it. He's putting up every week starter numbers for you on a fantasy team with that upside of if Nick Chubb, knock on wood, gets hurt, he's given you the the full potential that was Kareem Hunt. So I, I'm, I'm smashing Kareem Hunt in that trade. Now, when Nick Chubb went down last season, Kareem Hunt was worse for fantasy football. Yep. That's got to come in. He was still a top 15 running back, though. Right? He went yeah. from 10 to 15. <laughs> I I mean, I'm still taking that over a Debo Samuel, who we're hoping gets the targets and continues to stay healthy, whereas Kareem Hunt doesn't have health issues. Kareem Hunt's going to get work. Kareem Hunt, 
he got a ton of red zone work even with Nick Chubb last year. So there's still that flex play every week with Kareem Hunt with that upside of potential contract that you can sell later on, right? You're looking at values, the market buy, sell. Right now you buy Kareem Hunt, he gets signed to the Atlanta Falcons in the off season. <laughs> okay. okay, sign me up. I'm smashing Kareem Hunt and I'm probably moving him as he moves to Atlanta or some other offense where he now has a three or four year contract. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, you may have swayed me right there. When a running back at age 26 got a three or four year contract, that's fake. Like that's, that's not something that necessarily holds up. He'll be on his third deal. So everything tells me he checks all these boxes of a sell. And Debo Samuel is a young wide receiver drafted in the second round. Everything tells me that this is the time to get in. This is the buy low. Because like I said, two years ago, I mean, he was going for a top rookie pick. Uh, easy, yep. easy. Yep. So it, yeah, I think I might take Kareem too because of the running back advantage. Um, and it just, there's so many teams that could use him. Now he could go be a backup. You know, he could go to the Chargers and be the 1B, just like he's doing right now. We know he had off-field issues. First, he, he kicks that girl in the head, right? And then for whatever reason, yep. stays in Ohio and signs with the Browns. Then he gets caught with pot in his car, which apparently now isn't an issue in the NFL. But the young man seems to be on the straight and narrow. And now, when we talk about the upside, he played with Kansas City Chiefs, and he was just a stone-cold stud. Then he goes to the Browns that are set up for the run game. So he seeing him in a Jets uniform would be discouraging. However... Being the guy would be fantastic. When he's not the guy and he's a 1B, we expect him to go to a fantastic team. Uh, yep. Another team that would be on that radar just to go sign a guy so they don't have to draft the, use the draft pedigree would be the Houston Texans. I mean, there's a lot of teams that could use Kareem Hunt. So I'll do that too. I'll take Kareem over Debo Samuel. Let's move on here to a first-round draft pick in 2019. Marquise Hollywood Brown. Uh, this guy's yet to really break out, but his touchdowns, he's been putting up touchdowns left and right. Um Brad, I'm looking at your board here. This can't be right. It says he has three touchdowns in 2019 and one touchdowns in 2020. I'll just do it. I'll just do it right here. Hold up. Moving on here to a first-round draft capital and Marquise Hollywood-Brown selected by the Baltimore Ravens to be the true alpha there. Uh, we know that's not really his pedigree, five, nine bucks, 70. This guy's put up relatively solid numbers, especially in that offense. He finally had 100 targets last year. He only caught 58 of them. There was a problem between him and Lamar Jackson and being able to connect with a small-body receiver. We see him hit um, Mark Andrews continually in the seam at tight end. But Hollywood did put up seven touchdowns as a rookie and eight touchdowns last year uh, with a hell of a stretch from Week 12 through Week 17. He was the RB 13 on the season. So he's shown the upside, though he is inconsistent. Would you like what's your outlook for Hollywood Brown? I mean, they just drafted Bateman, they just drafted Tylen Wallace. We can't forget about that. And they signed Sammy Watkins. So Hollywood Brown definitely has a role in this offense with Lamar Jackson, who is an elite young quarterback, but not necessarily for his wide receiver. So what's your outlook on Marquise Brown? Yeah, this guy is to me out of the group the most primed to do that third year breakout where he's going to be in the top 20 top 24 in that range right with some high level upside on a week-to-week -week basis when you look at him in 2020 
He was number one in wide receiver route participation. This guy ran every single offensive pass play on the team. He was number six in air yard share among the NFL. He was number four in deep targets in the NFL. This guy eats. And when you talk about week 12, that's when you see a little bit of uptick in Lamar Jackson's play as a quarterback. You saw him be a little more decisive. You see him delivering better footballs, making better decisions. And that's, like you said, you see him as the wide receiver 13 from week 12 on for the remainder of that season. Now people are going to say, oh, but Brad, they added Rashad Bateman and Tylen Wallace. Like that can't be good for Marquise Brown. And I say, oh, contraire, mon frere. Think about Hollywood Marquise Brown in Oklahoma. He was the best when he had C.D. Lamb. He was the best when he had Mark Andrews. He was the best when he had another alpha receiving target there with him, whether it was with Baker Mayfield or Kyler Murray. Uh, Baker Mayfield his entire career, right? Not Kyler Murray. He didn't play with Kyler Murray. So Baker Mayfield. Yeah. So when you think about that, that's going to start to pull some of that coverage away from him. He's going to see more one-on-ones. And when you talk about how good this guy is, he is above, well above the league average at every single route he runs. He is above average, above the league average in success of every route run per Matt Harmon's reception perception. So when you think about that, this guy wins at all levels of the field. It doesn't matter what you ask him to do in man coverage or in zone coverage. He beats the coverage every fucking time. He's a guy that you can depend on. And when you add a Rashad Bateman and a Tylen Wallace and you still have a Mark Andrews, it's just going to be, uh, I think you see a huge step in Lamar Jackson, and it's going to be an increase of output, maybe not um, uh, opportunity, but output from Marquise Brown. Yeah, I think that's a great point. He's going to have to be more efficient. I mean, 100 targets for Hollywood Brown. Lamar Jackson played 15 games, hit 376 attempts. Like, 100 targets, he's, he's, he's getting a solid chunk of that. So. Yep. Uh, if he gets a few less targets, 89, 90, that's, that's concerning. But if it doesn't go up, he only caught 58 of them. You're expecting him to be more efficient. So I was preaching on a few episodes of a different podcast that if they could just take Hollywood and instead of leaving him out there solo where he gets wide open, but he's hard to hit because he's so squirrely, so fast. Um, and they could put him in the slot when they run that RPO and Lamar rolls out and he's looking to run. He has Hollywood streaking behind it, kind of what Robert Woods does so often for the Rams, what Tyreek does so often for Kansas City, where he just runs that that slight uh, you know, arc across the field between the hash marks. If they just had that, it, it, he's going to be open. And then it's between Lamar. Do you want to run it? Can you get the first down? Do you take your shot? It's going to make the offense a lot easier, especially when you could put Rashad Bateman out there at the X and leave him all alone. So I, I think that will help Hollywood. The problem with Hollywood is, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson's known for his rushing. He did throw 36 touchdowns in 2019, 26 in 2020. That's not bad. But the 376 attempts is so low. 
you're counting on those touchdowns in the red zone. You're counting for those quits, quick slants, and it's hard to bet. It's just hard for me to put Hollywood in my lineup on any given week. Like, he's the best, best ball receiver to me because he could absolutely blow up. I mean, his first game as a pro, what, he put up like 40 fantasy points? Let me look that up real quick. 2019, his first game with screws in his foot. He had five targets, caught four of them for 147 yards and two touchdowns on an 18% snap share. He was on the field. He caught a touchdown. He went to the bench. He, he soaked his foot in Epsom salt or whatever the fuck he was doing over there. So Hollywood Brown is the epitome of a blow-up guy. I agree. I think he is the breakout candidate um, outside with De- Debo and him and the guys we're about to get to in a second. So I do like that. Do you have any concerns with Lamar Jackson? We've talked at length. I think I've kind of talked you into Lamar developing as a quarterback as I was like bringing up, look, when he came in the league, he was a pocket passer and they wanted to run all the time. Then he learned how to throw the ball hard. Uh, and then in the offseason without OTAs, you see he's got all these little sidearms to his game, which are fancy, and he's got this laser. That guy can throw the ball like 50, 60 yards now on a on a line, but he doesn't have the touch yet. So seeing Lamar Jackson develop, I know he's interdivision for you as a Browns fan. You get to see him at least twice a year. You see a lot of the Baltimore Ravens, and we saw that Browns game where Lamar – you know, I don't know if he took a poop or, or what was going on when he had to leave the field and came back. That was a heartbreaker. But that was a hell of a game to see Lamar Jackson evolve as a quarterback, especially down down towards the end of the year. So when you're talking wide receivers, you're talking the quarterback they're connected to. With Hollywood not being an alpha that's just going to get force-fed like a Keenan Allen or an Allen Robinson, how do you feel about Lamar Jackson's development? Because that's the crucial here. Uh, and then, yeah, roll that in. Yeah, it's 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 going to happen. I, I it just – watching like i said you go back and you watch that week 12 to week 17 that back half of the season you really saw him be much more efficient with what he was doing he was more accurate now he's still not throwing the ball 30 35 times a game right if you look week 13 17 attempts week 14 17 attempts that was the game against cleveland where he came back in uh and ended up beating cleveland in the fourth quarter which i was i was heartbroken 22 in week 15 26 attempts in 16 and 18 attempts in week 17 but again he's only throwing the ball to mark andrews and hollywood brown now they add two receivers tylen wallace in his own right a sixth round draft pick for the baltimore ravens is a phenomenal wide receiver coming out of college so that and they brought it we haven't even talked about sammy watkins who you know say what you will about him but they specifically address that position because they want to grow Lamar Jackson at the quarterback position. They want to give him the opportunity. I have him charted right now for 467 pass attempts, 467, which is not world breaking. It's not groundbreaking. It's not a a quarterback that you want, but when you take 467 pass attempts and you give him a thousand yards rushing, that's a big that's a big deal. So I think you're going to see some growth from Lamar Jackson. I think you're seeing 35 to 3,700 yards passing. There's a good chance you see 30 or 31 passing touchdowns. And it's going to be pretty evenly distributed, I feel like. When you look at a Mark Andrews, you look at a Hollywood and a Rashad Bateman, you're you're not going to have a guy that's getting 140 targets, right? You're, you're not looking at a Pittsburgh Steelers type situation with Deontay Johnson just out targeting everyone else on the, on the team. Uh, but I've got Hollywood getting 104 of those targets 
for 880 yards, but his touchdowns are where I think he's going to take a jump because he's much more efficient in that touchdown realm than some of the others. He had eight touchdowns this year on 58 catches, I think is what it was. So I'm, I'm, tar I'm projecting him in the 10 touchdown range with this offense. And I think that's feasible. He had seven, like you said, seven and eight. And if he's seeing, more, if he's more efficient with his targets, I think you're looking at the potential of him being in that wide receiver 20 range, which is what we're talking about right now. Yeah, Hollywood Brown's only problem is Lamar Jackson. His, it's just ability to take everything to house with his legs. Like you said, his, his, his attempts aren't high enough to make Hollywood Brown a one. He will never be a top 12 wide receiver. Yep. It will not happen. So when you're looking at this range of outcomes, we're calling a, a breakout, anything between 13 and 24 for Hollywood. And really, you're looking between 20 and 24, and that's a slim margin. I, I think Hollywood's going to fall out of that. But when you look between him and Debo, Debo is just the health man. I don't know. Yep. So talk to me about these keep trade cuts, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to do the same thing. We're just going to look at a couple. And these seem way easier to me than the, than the Debo ones. So would you take Marquise Brown or the 206? Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm taking Hollywood Brown. Yeah. Okay. Marquise Hollywood Brown or Irv Smith. Now, that one's close because I have this love for Irv Smith, and some of these are tight end premiums. And Irv Smith is almost assuredly going to be a top 10 tight end at some point in his career. That's not difficult to achieve, but it's much easier to sell. But straight up, I, I there's no way I'm giving Hollywood for Irv unless I'm deep at wide receiver. Now, the problem is if you're looking at like an aging tight end or you don't have a tight end then the position of scarcity i think you could take irv smith in this particular deal but you'd be losing out on value but me personally i'm going to keep Hollywood. yep yeah i would agree with both of those and then mike gesicki is the other one this is the exact same thing as Irv. mike is coming up on a contract year we just saw him i think he was tight end eight or seven last year which isn't hard to do uh, because he had boom weeks and bust weeks just like hollywood but if you need a tight end it's understandable now, if you threw a second, right, this is the 206, I'm assuming 2021. I didn't even pay attention because I don't care. I'm going to take Hollywood over anybody yep. in the second. A mid second. Uh, if, if, if you yeah. give me Irv or Mike and a second in 2023 for Hollywood Brown, that would be something I might do, knowing I'm losing value now, but I'm insulated with the pick and a, and, a, and a hefty draft class. But if you're just asking me straight up, Mike Isaac here or Hollywood Brown, Hollywood Brown's going to score more points than Mike this year. I'm going to keep Hollywood. Yeah, and when you're looking at startup drafts, when you're looking at keep trade cut values on on keeptradecut.com, uh, that is the that's the value stream right now. Those guys are going together. They have uh, the same calculated value based on trades, and I'm I'm smashing Marquise over all of those guys right now because the upside to me is there uh, for him to continue to produce. So um, yeah, I, I would have to agree with all three of those. That's nice. That's nice to hear. It makes me feel good. Positional <laughs> scarcity is a real thing, though. Like that it those is. are those are solid tight ends. And, and the crap about Irv Smith not getting a boost in his in his involvement on the team, right? And it's going to be Conklin getting more involved. That's because Conklin blocks better than Irv, and Irv is a pass catcher. When you're looking at the Minnesota Vikings, I mean, you're looking at Justin Jefferson, Stone Cold Stud, Adam Thielen. One of the, he's one of the top twenty wide receivers in the NFL. For the NFL, in my opinion, I mean that guy's a that guy's a dog. He's all pro every year, and then Delvin Cook, and beyond that, I mean, who else do they have? Like Marset, uh, who they just drafted, Obisi Johnson, right? He oh, might be the three. They run more two tight end sets than anybody else in the league, which is why Jack Conklin will get a 
a boost. Now, Garrett Vienna at FF Goldmine just had a nice thread on Twitter. You should follow him for sure. You can get a, a little update on Irv versus Conklin and what that means for their outlook. So that's interesting because if you need a tight end, but I'm not trading a first-round draft capital that had seven and then eight touchdowns that has that kind of upside that could put up 30 in any given week for tight end eight or tight end 10, right? So if you believe that Irv Smith is going to break out and be one of those big three and that becomes a big four or five up there with TJ Hawkinson, then I get it. But you're going to want to squeeze something for insulation, a third-round pick, something, and you're going to want to shoot for that 2023 class. Yeah, don't get stuck on tight end eight or tight end 10, right? It may sound better than it actually is, right? Because what's the difference between tight end eight, 10, and tight end 17 or 18? What is it? 30 points, 25 points, maybe if that, right? It's it's gross, right? So you could roll out a Jonu Smith or a Hunter Henry. You could even go dumpster diving for guys like a Gerald Everett and you're not losing out that much from what you're getting from a Mike Gesicki or an Irv Smith anyway, right? So, Absolutely. All right, let's move on to a couple more second-round picks in 2019. Paris Campbell and McCall Hardman, who are essentially tied at the hip in our rankings here. McCall Hardman was picked 56. Paris Campbell picked 59. We know McCall is connected to Patrick Mahomes, okay, and, and Sammy Watkins just leaves town. So uh, McCall Hardman has flashed in a way. In a way, he has, but he he's never gotten more than four targets in except in one game. That was Week Nine of the or Week Eight of the 2020 season. He got nine targets, seven catches, didn't break a hundred yards. Never more than four receptions in any other game, any other year, and he's pretty much a punt returner in the playoffs. Now, Sammy Watkins is gone. When we look at what Sammy did, I mean, last year. He had 55 targets, 421 yards. Even if you give those all to McCole Hardman, that's not enough. It's Tyreek, it's Kelsey, it's Pat Mahomes spreading it out, and then it is now Clyde Edwards-Elair all alone in the backfield. So when you're looking at McCole Hardman, do you think he has any chance of breaking out this year? I'd rather have Demarcus Robinson. That's that's where I'm at. I, I would rather have the other option in that Kansas City offense than I would McCole Hardman. I just think he's a better player in general. He's he's he has proven that he can give you weeks when Sammy Watkins is hurt, right? If you go and you look at some of the opportunities that Demarcus Robinson gave you on weeks that Sammy Watkins was out, he gave you some good producing weeks. Whereas McCall Hardman, he other than this, you know, a one catch for seventy yards and a touchdown, he doesn't. He doesn't do anything for you. So I'm out on McCall Hardman, especially when you're talking about at the same value, I can get a Paris Campbell uh, who I believe in, right? And that's the hard thing. There's going to be other guys who are the complete opposite. They say that I am out on Paris Campbell. I believe in McCall Hardman, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm out on McCall altogether. I see what you did there with the segue. I want to talk to you about Demarcus Robinson. Brian Pringle's still there right now too. And they drafted Cornell Powell. Six foot 204 out of Clemson, who as a fifth year senior breaks on a little bit, 882 and seven touchdowns. He did most of it towards the end and in the playoffs. Would you trade McCall Hardman? I'm going to put you on the spot. Would you trade McCall Hardman for Cornell Powell straight up? Probably. That's grotesque. That's okay, probably. so he, 
he mentioned Paris Campbell because they are tied at the hip. When we go to keepdraycut.com, you can trade Paris Campbell for McCall Hardman. You can trade McCall Hardman for Paris Campbell. Paris Campbell, when healthy, uh, it's, he's just never healthy, man. He's just never healthy. He's had nine total games, five total starts. Last year, he really only played one game. It's really eight games total. But in that one game, nine targets, six catches, 71 yards, led the Colts wide receivers with – with Noodle Arm Rivers, now they get the upgrade in Carson Wentz, right? They they still have T.Y. Hilton. They keep him, which he has a specific role. He's good. He's good at football. Yes, he is. They is. have Michael Pittman, who comes out of USC, who's got all this hype. He has this – I liked Paris Campbell more than Michael Pittman when Paris Campbell came out. When Paris Campbell was in the 2019 rookie draft, look, I missed on A.J. Brown. I was DK or bust. And when I moved off DK, it was Paris Campbell. I didn't know about Debo Samuel. The injuries were concerning. I didn't know about A.J. Brown. Uh, I thought Paris Campbell was going to be the guy coming out of Ohio State. So to see him available, and he's a breakout candidate just because we love him, and we're talking about third-year breakouts. There's only so many. So Paris Campbell kind of hits the radar, and the Colts do say that they had big plans for him. So I know that you wrote a nice article in 2019 or 2020 coming up on the 2020 season. Uh, from Paris with love uh, that you can find on our website, fffair.com. So talk to me about Paris. And if you think he has a real chance of breaking out, what a breakout for Paris Campbell would mean for you, because so far he has less than 200 total yards in two seasons. I, I took such a victory lap after week one last season. I was like, I fucking told everybody, like, you've got to pay attention to this guy. Don't sell him cheap. Go get him cheap. He comes out, he fucking balls out in week one, seven catches or six catch, six or seven catches for 70 something yards, no touchdowns. In his first game with Phillip Rivers, I'm like, I'm I'm taking a victory lap on this. The guy got nine targets in his first week and then he got hurt. I'm like, son of a bitch. And he missed the whole fucking season. So the now, now the question is, okay, well, Carson Wentz is coming to town. Well, what's Carson Wentz going to do? Right. Because he Paris Campbell's going to need some volume, a little bit of volume, not a lot, because he does have that that playmaking ability. Right. He can take any ball to the house. Um, he's going to play in the slot. That's what Paris Campbell's going to do. Right. Him and T.Y. are going to do a little bit of, of swapping in that slot because T.Y. will fill that role on some some occasion. But Michael Pittman's locked on the outside. Right. Three receiver sets. Campbell's on the field. Carson Wentz, three years, 2017, 2018, he was hurt, 2019, and then his 12 games in 2020, he was averaging over seven targets a game to the slot. So I'd like to think that you're going to see Paris Campbell get five to seven targets a game coming out of the slot or the outside altogether. And that's going to be plenty of volume for him to be able to produce. Now, do I think he's going to meet the quote-unquote breakout that we're identifying where he's a wide receiver 24 or better no i don't i think he's going to be in that wide receiver three high-end wide receiver four range i think is realistic for him right now and i'm hedging a little bit because i just i'm just not confident he's going to stay healthy there's a lot of unknowns with carson wentz and what he's going to look like so i'm going to say no i don't think we see him as a as a breakout candidate again that top 24 right wide receiver but I do believe that he's going to be a serviceable asset to your fantasy team. And he's going to end up in that wide receiver, low end wide receiver three, high end wide receiver four range. 
Paris Campbell is extremely interesting to me. So let's look back. It's injuries with him. That's the problem. Now he clocked a sub. He was a four three one official forty in two thousand nineteen going into the league. Yeah, it was like ninety fifth percentile in everything. Dude. Holy crap. So when I look at college, I want to talk about injuries. When I look at college, I see that he got carted off against Northwestern in 2016. Between then, he was fairly healthy. 2019 caught him like it was 2020, man. He strained his his abdomen in in September and early November. He broke his hand in December. He broke his foot. I mean, he got everything this, that, and that way. And then going into 2020, he looks healthy and he strained, he sprained his knees, MCL and PCL in week two, misses the rest of the season. So he appears to be healthy. Are injuries bad luck? Yeah. Are you injury prone? No. There's trends that you can avoid statistically, but you're injured until you're not. I mean, we, we talk about Keenan Allen, right? He was always banged up and then suddenly he's not and suddenly he's a top 10 guy every year. We talk about severe injuries there's the adrian petersons there's those guys that just never really go down even when they're banged up there's the frank gores and these are running backs so we're talking about a wide receiver the problem is that you can lose your athleticism when you're always hurt he's not able to work out all the time he's not always running right so he's lifting weights and stuff that's great but his sub is four three one forty right it's six foot something that's what caught me that he can play any position on the football field and Six so, one two oh five. He is like he's so, not a small guy. No, he could play anything. He could play the X. Yep. He could play the Z. He could he could move all. He could play the slot. He could move anywhere. He's a slot guy, and Carson Wentz yeah. gonna like that. And they have big plans for him, so he apparently looks good going into this season. So I think Paris Campbell absolutely is a breakout candidate, but he's not one you're gonna want to pay for. So let's do these keep trade cuts because these are interesting. Uh, there's one name that stands out to me. There's a couple that don't. So let's start with Paris Campbell. Uh, I'm going to throw it at you. Paris Campbell or McCole Harbin? If you already shared your hand, you're going yep. with Paris because McCole, yep. although he's healthy, he's he just hasn't done it. So you'll go with the unknown. A couple more unknowns, Paris Campbell or Denzel Mims, which we got saw, saw got selected very highly by the Jets, who now have a new staff. That was an Adam Gase selection, but he is athletically gifted. We know that he's healthy. He has been running with the twos, but sometimes when a new staff comes in, you want to put somebody on notice. This could be a Dante Pettis situation. could be a Debo Samuel situation where you put the guy on notice and he responds. So Paris Campbell or Denzel Mims? Yeah, I'm going to go Paris Campbell there also. There's just too many unknowns with Denzel Mims. Like you said, he's running with the twos. They bring in Corey Davis. They got Jamison Crowder. They drafted Elijah Moore. There's – I just I don't know that he's going to see as much playing time as what Paris Paris Campbell is the wide receiver three, assuming health on that team right now. And Denzel Mims could be a one. I mean, there's pretty good amounts of unknown between the two. And and I think I might take Mims there because if Paris fails this season, that's it. It's over. Yeah. Paris Campbell or Mari Rogers. Talk about unknowns. Paris Campbell or Amari Rodgers. Amari Rodgers is coming out of Clemson. Didn't really break on for a very long time. Last year, he had a hell of a season being the only option um, for Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. Holy cow. Talk about brain farts. So he was the only option. He did well. He gets he's going to be the two supposedly for the Green Bay Packers, which should have Aaron Rodgers coming back. He'll make up his mind in the coming days, the passive aggressive guy that he is. So, uh, would you rather have Paris Campbell or Mari Rogers? 
this is where I might have to put my my Paris Campbell truther status to to question because I I'm gonna go Amari Rogers and this is painful because um, I I think I'm gonna say Amari Rogers right now but I may you know in an hour change my mind back to Paris Campbell like they're that close for me um, but. Again, you've got the question mark of Carson Wentz. You got the question mark of Paris Campbell and his health. Mari Rogers is going to come in. He's going to be a Debo Samuel-esque kind of player for the Green Bay Packers. He's going to be that guy who gets yards after the catch. They're going to produce some plays for him with his skill set, right? I think the term you like to use is gadget player. They're going to try to create, use him as a gadget type player, right? They're going to find ways to get him the ball and let him do things out of the backfield even because uh, he did test as a running back also, but he's also going to get the opportunity to play out of the wide receiver position. And anybody that's tied to Aaron Rodgers that is young and going to get some opportunity, I'm, I'm probably going to smash him over, over Carson Wentz. So. Yeah, I don't know if Aaron Rodgers is back. I'm going to take Paris Campbell in this. I'm not a big fan of Amari Rodgers. If Jordan Love is the quarterback, that might actually help him. If Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback, he doesn't he doesn't play that, man. And Alan Lazard is still there that everybody likes to write off. MVS is still there, and he'll get some snaps. Dude, right? you love Alan Lazard. I love Alan really Lazard. Do. You within, really do. It's completely you know, just unearned You love Alan Lazard. Alan Lazard. Like Aaron Rodgers loves hike, hyping up Jake Kumaro. Like that, yes, like that's the, accurate. That is accurate. That is what it is. I'm going to talk yeah. about Alan Lazard has a place on the NFL field, not necessarily for fantasy, and then they're going to cut him. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> Same thing where he's like, Jake Kumaro is one of my favorite wide receivers to throw to, and they're like, oh, yeah, we're just going to cut him. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> what do you mean? You just cut him. You didn't do it. You just let him go. He's just, okay. All right. <laughs> All right. That's happening now. Uh, but I am going to take Paris Campbell over Amari Rodgers. I know Paris Campbell could be the one. I mean, we saw T.Y. Hilton be the one. T.Y. Hilton's aging yep. out. I'm not a big believer in Michael Pittman, but he's the X. We know that Carson Wentz does like his big guys. I mean, another great thread by Rob Lords uh, at Rob FF Addict. Is that right? Yep. Uh, he put a, he's been putting together threads all the time. At Rob FF Addict, A-D-D-I-C-T. Be sure to follow him on Twitter. He's a fantastic follow. Uh, and he talks about... Paris Campbell, and uh, no, he talks about Michael Pittman and how Carson Wentz is good, and, and Carson Wentz likes to target the big guy, and I think Michael Pittman does fill that role. My problem is I don't think Michael Pittman's all that good, and I think that Paris Campbell could be the number one on that team, and I don't think there's any world where Amari Rodgers is ever the number one on an NFL field. So I will take Michael Pittman and go ahead and burn that pick and burn that selection, uh, shooting for the upside because I don't want a wide receiver three. I want a wide receiver two or better. Or somebody I can move. Now, I will say Amari Rodgers has been going for some nice trade packages and is a fantastic throw-in. And moving Paris Campbell, you got to find that guy. And when that guy throws stats at you and injury history at you and tries to lowball you, you can't even argue back. You have to just be like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is, is all true. It is all accurate, my friend. That is all accurate. Let's move on here to McCall Hardman. Now, McCall Hardman could go for Paris Campbell. I know you're taking Paris over him. McCall Hardman could go for Amari Rogers. So how are you feeling here? I'm gonna stick with Amari Rogers. Um, you know, I, I prefer Paris Campbell over McCall Hardman. So logic tells me if I'm gonna take Amari over Paris, I'm also gonna take Amari over over McCall Hardman. Fantastic. Now this is interesting because I do 
Amari Rogers is going to go for more than McCall Hardman. So now you're betting on output. And this is kind of, yeah, I'm splitting hairs here. I guess I'll take Amari, but I, no, I'm going to take McCall. I'm all over the place. I think I'd take McCall because McCall was drafted to be the replacement for Tyreek Hill after he broke his son's arm, allegedly. Right. So Tyreek isn't exactly the epitome of good behavior. We got Demarcus Robinson, Brian Pringle, and Cornell Powell also on the roster. When Paris came, when McCole Hardman came in, the they asked Andy Reid, "How's he look?" He goes, "He's, he's route running. Ugh, it's rough." That's about how he said it. Like he chuckled, like this guy's just running around, stupid fast. But if he can put it together on that offense and be the second wide receiver with an aging Travis Kelsey, which I know we love, he's going to play forever, uh, but he won't. Right, and with Tyreek not being the epitome of health or off field, he's got some issues. I'm going to take McCole Hardman over Amari Rogers, and again, I'm just going to burn this pick too. So, if Amari is good this year, yeah, this this will be rewinded for me. There's yeah, one more yes, name here. Will. There's one more name here that I'm definitely taking over both these guys. It's Russell Gage, who we saw break on late. We talked about this in season about Russell Gage and how I was like, dude, I'm so high on him. He's playing so well. He looks like a dog out there. He looks like a 1B. He's not never going to be the guy. But he looks like a 1B. Julio's aging. He can play the big slot like Muhammad Sanu was always effective. He's going to be wide receiver 36 or better. I'm definitely taking that. Now Julio's gone. They bring in Kyle Pitts, but we expected Hayden Hurst to do big things last year, just like Austin Hooper did, and, and Russell Gage would still be fine. So even though they bring in Kyle Pitts, they lose Julio. Hayden Hurst is still there. You know, so maybe maybe they spread Kyle Pitts out wide like Twitter likes to think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think he plays the quote-unquote why. I think he's right on the line or just off it. And he's standing up like Zach Ertz always does because that forces the defense to give him a mismatch. You're on a, a slot corner. You're on a nickel corner. You're on a linebacker. You're on a safety. He's never going to have to go up against somebody that's actually going to be physical and is a beast and can pick off the ball. He's never going to have to worry about running the crispest of routes. And if he does, it's even better. So uh, Russell Gage is very interesting to me. I'll take Russell Gage over both these guys, even though the coaching staff just changed, because I think he I think he will produce this year. I think he absolutely has an opportunity to be top 24 this year even with his age and he's in a contract situation and I don't see why they don't sign him for cheap and he stays there. I mean, Atlanta is just a gold mine for shitty wide receivers to do big things. And if you're actually good, it's even better. How you feeling? Yeah, I'm, I'm smashing Russell Gage over McCall Hardman and it's based on volume. And if you, you can just look at last year as, as a, an example, Russell Gage with Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Hayden Hurst had eight games of seven targets or more. Nicole Hardman had two the whole season, and he was basically the the guy behind Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Sammy Watkins had, I don't believe, uh, no, Sammy Watkins did have more targets than him because Sammy Watkins had like 55, and I think, um, no, he did have more targets than Sammy Watkins last year. So, no, yeah, he was the guy behind, and he didn't even come close to the volume that Russell Gage was getting in an offense that threw just as many times as the Kansas City Chiefs did. So I'm smashing the volume and the upside of Russell Gage. All right, man, that'll get us through our breakouts. Looks like Debo is a breakout candidate. Marquise Brown is the best of the rest. Paris Campbell still has some love, but you take Amari Rodgers over him. We're out on McCall Hardman, and Russell Gage is a trade target. There are a few guys here that are kind of trash that we'll get to in a second. I just want to highlight them to kill Harry, Andy Isabella, Jacoby Myers, Hunter Renfro, and Darius Slayton all came out in this draft as well. They've all had their 
purpose and serve their purpose for our dynasty rosters. Let's circle back up here to do a couple more keep trade cuts with the fun ones. DK Metcalf, man. Talk to me about DK and talk to me about Terry and Deontay and AJ Brown. Yeah, so right now I'm going to group DK and AJ Brown together because if you if you go to keep trade cut, their value for those two individuals are basically Trevor Lawrence, the 2021 1.01 draft pick. So would you rather have Trevor Lawrence, DK Metcalf, or AJ Brown? This is extremely interesting. The answer is Trevor Lawrence. I was in a super flex league. I'm looking at Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, and Tua Tungvaloa. Okay, I have DK, I have Allen Robinson, I have Jarvis Landry and Parker for whatever that's worth. And my running backs are Clyde and CMC and Kareem Hunt. You start three wide receivers, two flex. My bench is like Sterling Shepard and Lynn Bowden. Shit that got me through. I traded for Travis Fulgham. Shit that got me through last year. My my tight end is Irv Smith, Zach Ertz, and Jared Cook. So I'm looking okay. DK Metcalf is a pivotal piece of this team. I mean, when you have Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady, you're not benching them. It's a six-point per passing touchdown. And then I have two on the bench as well. And I got offered the 101 for DK Metcalf. And I was having such a tough time because I'm looking to repeat. And DK is my wide receiver one. Him, Allen Robinson, and whoever I plug in there, Jarvis Landry, I guess, mixed in with CMC and Clyde and Hunt. And whoever I figure out for that last flex spot, I traded for Antonio Brown. Thank God. My tight ends are iffy, but Zach Ertz, I still have some belief in. Jared Cook is definitely top 10 until he hangs him up, which will probably be this year. And then Irv Smith is interesting. And my quarterbacks are set. Pat, Tom Brady, and Tua in the wings. So I tried to squeeze. I said, let me get anything on top. Let me go from Hunt to Gibson, which was way too much, but I didn't know it was early in the offseason. Let me get a second. I'll throw you a third back. We'll make it in 2024. Let me get something so I know I'm not giving away a surefire hit for some pick. And as I was typing, he traded the 101 for Alvin Kamara. And I'm like, son of a bitch. So I guess I turned down Trevor Lawrence in that particular league. Because it's all about leagues and settings, knowing your league mates. And I needed that top eight, top seven wide receiver connected to Russell Wilson. DK Metcalf is a problem. I think he's going to be top 10 the rest of his career, barring injury. And I couldn't let him go in an instant for Trevor Lawrence. But the answer value-wise is Trevor, man. But I did indeed, as much as I want to say that, I did indeed take DK. So I guess my honest answer out of these three not in a startup, but with the pre-built team is DK. But in a startup, I'm taking Trevor above the other two. Yeah, I've pivoted over the last week and a half or two. Uh, I had AJ Brown above DK, and DK has leapfrogged him. I don't know that I would take that. I struggle at times selling a surefire like a DK Metcalf or even an AJ Brown for a rookie, period. I don't care who the rookie is. No one is lock safe, locked and loaded, going to be a great player in the NFL. There are so many variables. He's coming into a situation. I don't like Urban Meyer. I don't like what he's doing. I don't like the things that are coming out of his mouth. And the worst thing for a quarterback is this churn of the coaching staff, right? You think Alex Smith 
the 101 in that draft and all the churn that happened in San Francisco for him and how it just stunted his development in the NFL. I can see a very similar path where they could potentially struggle this year and next. Urban Meyer no longer being on that team anymore and then bringing in a new coaching staff and churning again. I just don't know if I trust it. I'm, it's not a Trevor Lawrence capability thing. It's the organizational thing. So I think I'm going to stick with DK in this situation over the 101. It's insane that we were both saying that. But I think that yeah. it, in a startup, you take Trevor Lawrence first. In a startup, in a 12-team Superflex startup, Trevor Lawrence is yeah. arguably a top 12 pick. And I think it's a strong argument. He's not making it out of top 15, whether you want him to or not. So if you want him, you got to take him early. It's the same thing with Joe Burrow last year. So do you want to play value and take Trevor uh, Trey Lance in the third, fourth, or fifth, wherever he falls in your drafts? Or do you want to take Trevor? I mean, that's the thing. So from an ADP standpoint, from a value standpoint, it is Trevor all day, every day. Once your team is built and your roster is constructed, right? I have two QB1s in Pat Mahomes and, and Tom Brady. And I have one in the wing. Got no picks in 2022 because fuck that class. And I'm loading up on 2023. So I kept DK. But in a startup, there is no way in hell at the 1, 10, 11, or 12, I take DK Metcalf, even if I'm in love with him. You just don't do that. It's bad process. You take your running yeah. back and your quarterback in those first two rounds, and you look to get your wide receiver in the third and fourth or the sixth and seventh for those breakout guys. Yeah, I got a little bit different. I, I'm the totally I'm totally the opposite, right? I did the exact a very similar thing this year in a rookie draft. I said, hey, I'm sitting at the 102. I'm I don't like what I'm looking at at the 102. I want to move back. So I ended up moving back. I traded the 102 for DeAndre Swift and a and a early, a th I think it was a third, maybe a second or a third. I don't remember. There was another pick thrown in there, uh, a later a later draft pick, because I want the sure fire. What I and I say sure fire, a guy I've seen on the NFL field produce, right? DeAndre Swift, I saw this guy produce on the field. I saw what he can do. I want what I saw with my eyes, not what I think a Zach Wilson could be or what I think a Justin Fields could be or what Gross. I think a Najee Harris could be. That's not, I, I'm not, I'm not down with that. I want it's the sure fire thing. You the think world. it is, but how many times do those guys flop? How many oh, that's, times that's do you problem. see guys like Trent Richardson, surefire 101 in non-superflex leagues most likely, flop? I'm not looking for that. I'm going to move that pick every time for a surefire young player. Now, I'm not going to go do that for an Alvin Kamara or something like that where – the value is going to start to degrade over time. I'm going to do it for a young guy that I've seen on the field already that I believe is going to increase in value over time. That's fair. There's no way I take DeAndre Swift over Alvin Kamara. Fuck that. And if I'm trading the 102, nope. it's Alvin Kamara over DeAndre Swift. That's me personally. Nope. What The reason I spoke up is because you opened up with the 102 calling him fucking Zach Wilson. And then Justin... That Fitt, was the, the pick. Yeah, that man, that guy's the dumb. Pick. The 102... Is that Trey Lance. Pick. You take Trey Lance, then you take Najee, then you take Pitts, then you take Chase. You mix up the order. That's the top five. Quit fucking with things, people. Quit hey. fucking with things, people. Hey. Let's move on here. DeAndre to Swift, 
for Zach Wilson. That's what it was. Smash. Let's move on here to Terry McLaurin. Uh, the key trade cut had him at DeAndre Swift. Who do you like more here, Terry McLaurin or DeAndre Swift? Terry McLaurin, who did break out last year on the back of 93 tar- 134 targets for 1,118 yards. They only had four touchdowns, so he was wide receiver 20. But we expect those touchdowns to go up. We know that Ryan Fitzpatrick, as long as he holds his job, he absolutely peppers his lead guy. So Terry McLaurin or DeAndre Swift with Jared Goff and, and that offense there in Detroit. I'm I'm going to go DeAndre Swift here. Uh, the, the big thing for me is the uncertainty, right? Ryan Fitzpatrick gets benched. Like, yeah, when he's on the field, you love his wide receivers. You love his tight ends. You can't trust that he's going to be on the field for 16, well, 17 games this year. I just, there's a lot of volatility in who's going to be delivering the ball to Terry McLaurin this year and the future. To me, there's no volatility. DeAndre Swift is the fucking man there. Now, yeah, they've got Jamal Williams there that's going to get some carries or whatever. DeAndre Swift is, he is that offense right now. So, so I'm going to go DeAndre Swift right now uh, over Terry McLaurin. And that, yeah, that's I don't think- tough. That's tough. I don't think it's close. I'm definitely taking DeAndre Swift over Terry McLaurin. You talk about security in a wide receiver. Terry came out old. Was he 25 already? Yep. Right. So the turnover in quarterback play, we don't know. They probably won't have a high draft pick next year. They're going to be able to sign some sort of free agent. We got Jimmy Garoppolo coming up. Andy Dalton's always going to be trying to get a job. Maybe Tyrod Taylor becomes the guy. Maybe it's Tyler Henneke. I don't know, but – Terry McLaurin is not attached to an elite quarterback. He reminds me of DJ Moore. The things that those two have been able to do with the quarterback play they've gotten is fantastic, though I do believe Teddy Bridgewater is criminally underrated. you got to take the elite upside of a running back, especially these 2020 guys. DeAndre Swift in 2018 and 19 was a consensus one-on-one. And then Clyde goes to the Chiefs. Jonathan Taylor comes out after back-to-back to back thousand yard seasons and he goes to the Colts. So now it's tough. So I guess it's JT and Clyde's in the mix and then Swift and then Dobbins who everybody hated on after his 2000 yard rushing season goes to the only team that runs that kind of offense. So now it's a discussion, but Deandre Swift's talent is undeniable. His volume is undeniable. Uh, The team is going to have to use him. The only fear here is injury especially because he's a running back that's going to be heavily used. He's going to get worn down. But DeAndre Swift just screams that that he's he's a better value than Terry McLaurin. Uh, let's move on here to Deontay Johnson. Talk to me about Deontay. Yeah, so we're, there's a, a few names here, and this, one, this one's kind of interesting. So it's Deontay Johnson, or we're going to go with a rookie quarterback in Mac Jones. I understand the conundrum with the position and that quarterbacks play forever. And I love Mac Jones and what they do in 2021 really decide this for me. Deontay Johnson has one more good year with big Ben and Ben's done. They probably will do well this year and not have a very high draft pick. Maybe it's pick 15 or 16. They're sure as shit not going to get a Mac Jones to fall to them. So if you want out of an elite asset that gets 140 something targets, 160 targets coming up thousand yards, seven or eight touchdowns, you want out of that, to get into a quarterback, I'd understand that. But Mac Jones being a Patriot is a problem. Now, if they go out, spend a bunch of money, and get wide receivers to load around him, awesome. If they go and get a bunch of Nikhil Harry's, Jacoby Myers, fuck. Okay, they are built for Cam Newton. So I'm going to take Deontay Johnson over Mac Jones. I understand it's short-sighted, 
but I'm going to be short-sighted on this one. Even though I'm crazy high on Mac as a player, as a quarterback, I don't hate New England as a landing spot I, because there's worse ones because you know Bill Belichick's going to be the coach for years, but Bill doesn't generally play his rookies early. When he does, he doesn't always set them up for success in any position. We watched Damian Harris just get absolutely benched, right? Like this kind of stuff happens. Nikhil Harry just doesn't play. So there's no guarantee Mac Jones is going to see the field, though I believe he will. And he's not – he just doesn't have the weapons. And they they spent so much money, they really need to load up on – who's going to go to New England to play with Mac Jones and Sonny Michelle to be the alpha? That defense is aging. I just don't see it happening. So I'm going to take Deontay Johnson in that deal. Yeah, I'm holding Deontay Johnson there 10 times out of 10. There's no situation where I would want to move him for Mac Jones – He's only 24 years old. Dude had 144 targets in 15 games, and he left a couple early. I just It's not even a question for me. The volume that this guy gets gives him legitimate top 12 upside be, just based on volume alone. So I, I'm, I'm going Deontay there. So, so now we're going to get a little more, a little more interesting. So Deontay Johnson or LaVisca Chenault? Not a Chenault fan. I'm not. There's a lot of hype right now. There's a ton of hype. People love him. People love him. He is a Debo-esque player, and Debo is an A.J. Brown-esque player, so people are saying LaVisca Chanel is an A.J. Brown-esque player. He's a problem with the ball in his hands. He is. He's a running back that plays wide receiver. He is. He is a Madden cheat code. He is. The things that they're saying – in Jacksonville are all over the place. Travis Etienne suddenly isn't a running back. Trevor Lawrence suddenly isn't ready. We don't believe any of that hype, and yet LaVisca Chenault looks like a standout, and we love that. DJ Chark's too weak, too slow. He can't play. But LaVisca Chenault's a standout, and that's It's almost thing. like Urban Meyer has a problem with words coming out of his mouth. Like I told I you that earlier. story, right, about yeah. my boss. who it was, yeah. it was criticized somebody that said something crazy. He was like, dude, you know all these words. All these different languages. You you know all of these words. Those are the words you chose to say right now. All of the you could have just said peanut butter jelly, you know, cats and, and elephants. You peanut could have said butter any jelly word. time, peanut butter <laughs> jelly time. I'm not a fan of Lavishkis and all. I don't think he's good at football. I don't think he's a solid wide receiver. I don't think he'll ever be effective, and I don't think he belongs on my fantasy team. So I'm gonna take just about anybody over Lavisca. I am. Deontay Johnson. A solid two with upside. Guaranteed volume connected to a Hall of Fame quarterback over LaVisca Chenault is such a smash, I'm going to have to buy a new phone. Let's just, just play out the best-case scenario. Marvin Jones is washed. DJ Chark is too slow and can't play. Trevor Lawrence is a god. Travis Etienne plays running back. James Robinson gets goal line work. It's like best because they don't have a tight end. It's like best-case scenario. LaVisca Chenault is going to be Amari Rodgers, but in the NFL. That is Randall Cobb. Very useful, definitely useful, but not a difference maker. He's that guy that you add at the end of your bench and put in your flex that can help you win weeks because everybody else is producing, but he is not going to elevate your team. So I don't believe in LaVisca. I'm going to have to write an article or a thread because I'm going to get shredded because people love the guy. And I just don't see it. And I'm, I'm, you know, I hope I'm wrong, man. We never root against players. We always root for them. The guy is a problem with the ball in his hands. I don't know how they're going to get him the ball. Maybe he plays that. They wanted Kadarius Tony to play that role. Maybe, maybe he plays that role. But the fact that they were so in 
to Kadarius Tony that Urban Meyer was heartbroken that they had to take a better player in Travis Etienne. And he was so pissed about that that he said Travis Etienne's going to be a wide receiver. That has got to put LaVisca Chanel owners on blast, man. Does it not? Yeah, uh, it should. If it if they don't think it does, then they're not paying attention. They're just not paying attention. So I don't disagree with most of what you have to say about LaVisca Chenault. I do think he's better than what you give him credit for, but I also agree with what his his range of outcome is. Right? I see him as that wide receiver two option. He's not going to be the guy that you can depend on every week in and out that's going to be your alpha dude. It's just, I just don't see that either. But no, Deontay, no real, real quick, because I know Deontay's your choice. LaVisca or Debo Samuel? Oh, God, I like Debo more. LaVisca or DJ I'm gonna Chark? Go, I'm going to go Debo. We're going to go uh, LaVisca or DJ Chark? Chenault. Over DJ Chark? Yeah. Okay, that's the cutoff, because LaVisca or Juju... Assuming you're taking Juju. Yeah, definitely Juju. LaVisca or Hollywood Brown? Hollywood. So I guess Chark is your cutoff. That's crazy because Chark is the one right now. There's no way I'm trading the one for the three. There's no way that's in me. All right, man. Let's move on. All right. uh, So the next one is Deontay Johnson or Robert Woods. This is the most interesting. Deontay Johnson is 24 years old. Robert Woods is 29. He'll be 30 in season. Once that 3-0 hits next to your player's name, the trade value plummets. Trust me, I got Adam Thielen, and the the offers I'm getting are just hilarious. They're hilarious. So um, this is close. I'm going to take Deontay. I'm going to take the youth. I'm going to take the upside. I know that the quarterback play will be different, but this, this is the situation whereas I want Robert Woods over Deontay Johnson. I think he'll be better this year. I know he's been better the last few years. I think he's got a more stable connection with his quarterback. He has a four-year contract signed through 2026, but he's not. He's signed next year and this year. So he's got two years with Matthew Stafford to prove it. That's his age 29. This is age 30 season. Then he'll be 31. He's going to die on your roster, whereas Deontay Johnson still has a turnover. And that's why you got to take Deontay. Because there is a world where Deontay outscores Robert Woods. And if he does that, he's gold. And if Deontay underscores Robert Woods, he's still worth more next season. And if you fast forward to 2023, Robert Woods has to die on your roster, and Deontay will still be 26 years old. So Deontay's my pick here. But if I can get anything added to Robert Woods, anything that I like, I have a tough time turning that down because I think Bobby Trees is going to help me win this year and next. I I think Deontay Johnson finishes better than Robert Woods. I, I, this guy is nasty. This kid is good. And if you watch, he's always open. It doesn't matter if he's got man coverage. It doesn't matter if he's double covered. It doesn't matter if he's going up against his zone. The guy wins at everything. I This, to me, is the kind of move that you do to prevent the productive struggle, right? I'm not moving Robert Woods for a LaVisca Chenault in the hope that LaVisca Chenault is something. I'm moving Robert Woods to get Deontay Johnson because Deontay Johnson has the potential of being top 12 this year. He just does. He just does. That offense is going to be better 
because they now have Najee Harris. Nobody's going to, I don't think anybody's going to argue that. That run, get, that defense is still solid. They're going to be a really, really good football team this year. And he's the fucking guy. He's who's getting the targets. Chase Claypool, yes, he's going to run that X receiver, but he's not Deontay Johnson. He's not the security blanket. He's not winning at all levels of the field. He's just big, fast, and strong. And Ben's arm isn't going to be able to get it to him all the time. So Deontay Johnson, I believe, is a guy that can absolutely blow up the game this year. So I am, yes, I'm going to try to get something on top of Deontay for Robert Woods. But if it, if it comes down to the nitty-gritty, I'm moving them straight up for one another. Robert Woods, I will sell straight up for Deontay Johnson right now. Well, yeah, I think you're going to have to because of the age difference. I mean, Robert Woods hadn't had 144 targets in the last uh, – ever, actually, nope. ever. He nope. had 129, 139, 130. We'll call that 130. Got about 90 catches a year, had 1,200, 1,100, then just 900 yards last year, so he's on the downtrend. However, he finishes in PPR leagues 11, 14, 13. Put up 244 yep. points last year. That's a tough mark to hit. So I do think Robert will help me win this year, and he gets an uptick in, in quarterback play. It's going to be interesting to see what Matthew Stafford can do with those Rams, right? Because everybody's just assuming everybody's going to do better. Like, some people love Cooper Cup because he's the biggest guy on the team. Like, who gives a fuck, man? He can't beat Matt Coverage. He's a red zone threat for Jared Goff. Some people love Robert Woods because he gets open on his Chris Rouse. I'm like, yeah, but can he hit him? And then my blind love for Matthew Stafford. People you say, blind love. dude, and I, I'm open. He's also with it. really good. He's very, he's very good, but I'm very open with it. You know, like I know I'm too high. Like somebody tried to trade for him. He said, I want, I, I just traded Robert Woods for a first round pick and a 16 teamer that there's no way it's not a top five pick. There's no way. It could be the one on one, but there's no way it's not a top five pick. And I, he has Darren Waller. I've been trying to trade for Darren Waller forever. I offered him, look, I'm, I'm a league winner. Just won it, trying to trying to repeat. And top eight, make the playoffs. I know I sure as shit am in the playoffs. I'm trying to make a difference maker. I offered him Allen Robinson, Mike Davis, and Javian Hawkins for Darren Waller. And he countered with Big Ben, David Montgomery, okay, and Robert Woods for fucking Darren Waller straight up. I think he threw in some, some like, James Washington and shit like that. Like, get out of here. Then he said, well, how about just Tyreek for Darren Waller? I'm like, dude, I'm not even going to talk to you anymore. So I make this trade with Robert Woods, and this is what you do. You circle back. You just continue to circle the drain, man. And he's like, nice trade. And I'm like, yeah, dude, looks like a top five pick. He goes, I agree. I said, you know who's worth the top five pick? He said, who's that? I said, fucking, Rob, uh, fucking Darren Waller, dude. That's who's worth the top five pick. Because if I could trade Robert Woods for Darren Waller, I'd have done it fucking three years ago. Like, let's do this. He's like, I don't know. I want something on top. I'm like, dude, fuck you. Just go away. I'll just keep it. I got Tyler Higby. I got Austin Hooper. It's a 16-teamer. I, I won't have a tight end. I'll figure it out. All right? Robert Woods leaving my yep. team hurts, but it's like, dude, it's a top five pick. I, I got uh, – I'm pretty loaded. So, Mike Davis, David Montgomery, Jarvis Landry, T.Y. Hilton have to somehow fill my last flex spot instead of Robert Woods. I'll make it work. 16 team. It's fine. Top, it's top eight make the playoffs. That's the biggest selling point. Is you're definitely top eight. And then once you get in, you're like, well, it's week 15. Anything so can happen. Anything can happen. So some, since I'm in, happen. I want those draft picks to try and bolster my team down the road. Yep. So he said, I want 
I want Stafford in that first. What do I have to add to Waller? I said a lot. He said two was in the mix. And I was like, just straight up, just straight up. I turned down early in the offseason, Tua in a first for Matthew Stafford. Like so fast, the guy was like, did I did it go through? Did I send it? And I was <laughs> like, yeah, I saw it. So I'm admittedly way too high on Matthew Stafford. Like I think the guy is top 10, no doubt. When he's not, it's because two years ago, first of all, they broke his back, but they traded away all of his weapons. Anybody that was good, they traded away. And then last year, they tried to force him to shut down. He only missed one freaking game, right? And he was QB 15. Again, like no weapons, like no weapons, no line. And now he goes to the Rams. So is Robert Woods better than Kenny Galladay? I don't know. Is Cooper Cup better than Marvin Jones? I don't know. Is Akers better than Swift? I don't know. Is Sean McVay better than Patricia? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he is. Is that defense going to get him the ball back and not make him sit on the sideline for 12 minutes and go win the game? Yeah, they're going to get him the ball. Are they going to get him the ball with decent field position? Probably. Is he going to throw it in the red zone? Fuck yeah. Is it going to open up the red game, run game? Fuck yeah. Are they going to score a shit ton of points? Fuck yeah. I think that they are. Like two or three years ago, all we wanted was the Rams offense. Remember that? It was Todd yep. Gurley. It was Everybody Cup, it was wanted Woods, it. it was golf. Yep. It was all of them. We wanted all of them. Yep. I think it's coming back. So, All right, man, let's get these people out of here. Let's talk real quick. Let's do a keep trade cut, something fun out of these five names. Keep somebody, trade somebody, cut somebody. Nikhil Harry, first-round pick, pick 32, first-round pick to the New England Patriots. Andy Isabella went in the second round. Okay, he went just like in that Rondell Moore kind of thing. He went to the Cardinals. We got Hunter Renfro in the fifth, Darius Slayton in the fifth, who surprised a lot of people with his wide receiver 54 finish as a rookie. Jacoby Myers went undrafted and looked like the de facto one until they signed a bunch of people in New England. So keep somebody, trade somebody, cut somebody. Yeah, I'm 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 gonna pull Hunter Renfro out of that. I think Hunter Renfro is what he is. He's gonna be in that 50-ish range. You're not cutting him, you're not nobody's going to buy him. You're not, you're, you're just holding him, right? It's just going to happen. So I'm going to go with three, three specific names here. So Nikhil Harry with all the talk about him being potentially on the trade block and moving and what's that. Take a like? second. I love that. He requested a trade. Yeah. yeah right. The like anybody on Twitter cracked me out. That's exactly yeah. what I saw. Yeah. Nikhil Harry you requested a trade. It was like a, a cricket gift. And I was like, yeah, nobody, <laughs> Nobody's going to go looking Nobody's for that. Nobody's going to give that. up like a seventh in 2055 yeah. or something. Yep. Like, yeah, exactly. Uh, so Nikhil Harry, Jacoby Myers, who who actually produced some decent numbers with Cam Newton last year, and Darius Slayton. Interesting little situation there in New York. They they bring in Kadarius Tony. They bring in Kenny Galladay, who's the odd man out. So those three. Uh, and you, you've seen some decent production from these players at at some certain time. So who are you keeping? Who are you trading? Who are you cutting? Oh, you just threw it on me. I just asked yeah. you. I, 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 well, I already know. I'm going to cut Andy Isabella because he doesn't. He wasn't an option. Everybody's cutting Andy Isabella. Oh, you just want to go on. Harry Myers Slayton? Harry Myers Slayton. Keep trade cut. Okay. I'm going to trade. Darius Slayton, because I think he's the only one with value, and I'll take a third or fourth round pick. I don't think I'm going to get that for Jacoby Myers. 
I'm going to cut Jacoby Myers, even though he's the one I should keep. He's the one I should keep because Jacoby Myers is good at football. He's solid. But that undrafted free agency, now he's a, he's, he's a patriot. He's good. But they did just bring in Bourne. They did just bring in Aguilar. So for Jacoby Myers to rise above, which it looks like he has been, you know, he's got an opportunity there. He's wide receiver 53 last year. He's got Cam Newton. So can him and Mac Jones connect? Absolutely. Absolutely. He's in his third year. So they're going to have to connect early next year, and we expect them to add weapons or for Mac Jones to fail. And the one I'm going to keep is Nikhil Harry, first-round draft pick. Might get traded, might get cut, might move on to a new opportunity. There are so many teams that a big, fast guy can go to. Uh, and I think Nikhil Harry just fits the bill. Like, I don't know if he's good. I don't know if he's good. I don't know if he'll ever pan out. But he's the guy that has an opportunity for a value spike. If he leaves, even if he gets cut, and he goes to a terrible team. What if he goes to Houston, the dumpster fire that is Houston? Now people are going to talk about how he's the undisputed one or two or whatever, and he's got a role. And so he's somebody that I can trade down the run. So trying to be savvy, I'm going to keep Nikhil Harry. I'm going to trade Darius Slayton because I think he has some value. And then I am going to cut Jacoby Myers, and it's going to hurt my soul. Dad, that's gross. That is, that is the absolutely wrong decision. You're going to cut. The t- and this is the this is the narrative that you push. Not saying it is the case anymore, but the narrative that you push, you're gonna cut the target leader for the New England Patriots right now. I will cut every New England Patriot team. running back and wide receiver. But you just want what I'm saying is that's the narrative you put. The person that carries the most value that's not gonna make your fucking starting lineup is Jacoby Myers. That's the guy you sell on the narrative that he had 81 targets last year. That's what you're selling. Nikhil Harry, his value cannot literally not get any lower. Now, if you want to say keep that in the hopes that oh, if he's trash, I just toss him. No, you just fucking toss him now because he's going to sit. Nobody's fucking taking him. And even if they do, he's not going to get an opportunity. He's done. He's fucking done. Cut his ass. Slayton is the guy, in my opinion, that you hold because he's the one whose value can do different things, right? I think who's the odd man out with Kadarius Tony? Maybe Kadarius Tony is the odd man out. Maybe Sterling Shepard's the odd man out. Maybe Darius Slayton. Maybe it's Evan Ingram. You don't really know. So Darius Slayton, to me, is that guy who only needs one play. He only needs one play for you to sell him. That's it. And your hope that is in week two, Week one, right? Week one, he's got three catches for 40 yards. And then week two, he's got four catches for 100 and a touchdown. And you sell his ass in week two. So you're cheating. You're cheating because I said Darius Slayton's my sell. And you said I'm going to keep him. Then I'm going to sell him week two. What the fuck is that? This is right now. You can't just keep selling people. You you can sell one dude. You got to keep one dude. You're going to keep Darius Darius Slayton all year long. Yep. Yeah. Good luck with that. I'll keep Nikhil Harry. You just said you're going to cut Jacoby Myers. That is the dumbest dumbest shit in the world. You're crazy. You've been drinking too much right now. That frosted mug's got you all out of whack right now. It's got me right. It's got me right. (laughs) Jacoby Myers is not going to make my lineup. None of these guys are making your lineup. Gary Slayton might. Oh, the guy that I said to keep? You mean? That's That's the guy that you sell. Because he might hit a lineup. 
And the only guy that has an opportunity for a value spike that has first-round draft cap. You're going to get you're going to get destroyed in that trade because the narrative is they brought in Kenny G and they brought in Kadarius Tony. There, nobody not, is going gonna to get pay value for Bradley. Him. You're not going to get a third for any of these people. Yes, somebody you offered me a third. I, you could for, get a third for Jacoby Myers right now. No. Yes, no, you, you can't. One hundred. Good luck. Good luck, my friend. I think yeah, he's on can. waivers in my league. If I can get a third for <laughs> Slayton, Renfro, Myers, Isabella, or Harry, I'm probably just going to go ahead and do it. I won in those leagues. I'm not in those leagues. You don't invite me to the ones where a guy who gets 81 targets is on the waiver wire. Because those leagues are too good. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You. Yeah. When, oh, when your yeah, lineup yeah. is so good, Jacoby Myers isn't on your team because everybody has an actual team. That's what's That's going on. Silly. That's silly. All right, silly. man, let's get these people out of here. Don't forget, www.fffair.com. We got those uh, hot by happy hours. Got to come back soon. Sammy, get back on that. Quinn, jump on that, man. We got Maddie Daddy. 2652 Matt Riser, who's putting out live streams. He did two tonight while we were recording. It's fantastic. Be sure to check those. Those will hit the website soon. Garrett Vienna at FF Goldmine, Rob Lords at Rob FF Addict, and of course Britt Sanders at the FF Sandman, spitting out articles constantly for us. We got a couple more. We got FF Bourbon dude over here, Bradley, who spit out this Mike Williams uh, hype train. That God, if you're right, man. If you're right, it's going to be uh, victory. This know. guy takes victory laps, man. He does. He yeah. does. So check that out, fffair.com. Be, be sure to check out that expo in Canton, Ohio, the Fantasy Expo. The Fantasy Football? The FantasyFootballExpo.com and look, the FF Expo on Twitter. Look, I don't know any answers. I just work here. But thank you guys so much for listening. Don't forget, write, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Thanks, guys. Later. Later.